on the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com. Here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Red Raiders Podcast brought to you by AJ Media. I'm Donald Williams from the Avalanche Journal Sports Department. Joined, as always, by our sports editor, Carlos Silva, Jr. We uh, uh, have an open week this week, Carlos, as the Red Raiders uh, coming off 28-14 loss to Arizona. And then next week at Norman, we'll take on Oklahoma, the Big 12 Conference opener. Uh, Saturday will be a morning game, 11 a.m. kickoff for the Red Raiders and the Sooners up in Norman. But again, coming off of uh, last week, we made the uh, day trip out to uh, Arizona and then the all-nighter. And get you and Brad, time. feel free to chat, Don. We, it, it's the open week, so I'm, I'm sure people like to hear the behind-the-scenes to where I kind of torture you and Brad where I give you a 10 a.m. flight and give you a 5 a.m. flight the next day. But in between that, you guys did a lot of good work. Weren't able to get the story in the paper, but you did kind of talk a little bit in your column about uh, the next day, obviously, on uh, the... And, and, and obviously corresponding days as to there wasn't a lot of uh, scoring going on, which is what people were used to with Kingsbury and kind of his offense. I think people are kind of a little bit off the ledge already, even though it's three games in and you still have a winning record. Not sure why. I, I understand. Some are, well, some are, but uh, not not everybody. Some, yeah. But, but quite a few are. You're right. Yeah. It, it's just interesting to kind of – have a litmus test on Twitter because it's like when you win, everyone's happy. When you lose, it seems like everyone is willing to just kind of look at some some of the small things that I guess you can make into a big thing. But I, I honestly think it's just a loss. It's just a tough one. The one thing I took away, I don't know if you saw it because obviously you were there in person. I was watching it on TV before I fell asleep because I'm an old man now. But um Defense played really well, considering how many plays they played. <laughs> well, the defense played really well for three quarters. Yes. And then I guess when you fell asleep, Carlos, that's when Got things tired. went to uh, – <laughs> you, you missed yeah, the – A little bit. Uh, well, like four, a couple of like 14-play drives. One of them was for 80 – something about 80-something yeah. yards, and the last one was for 99 yards. Yeah. Uh, so Arizona kept the ball for uh, most all of the fourth quarter. You're right, though. The defense played well for three quarters. Yeah. They just weren't able to sustain it. I think, I think they do a good job against Khalil Tate, uh, with the exception of that one big run that he popped. Now Khalil Tate has done that in the past. He had five runs of seventy yards or longer two years ago, and then last year he was all hurt and banged up and didn't do much. And then, then the uh, twenty seventeen Khalil Tate showed back up and bolted for an 84-yard touchdown. Other than that, I thought they did a good job against him. I thought they did a great job against J.J. Taylor. Mm-hmm. You know, guy runs for 1,400 yards last year, and they hold him to, I forget, but a pretty limited amount J.J. Taylor got. So, yeah, something to it was something to build off of defensively. Um, it was they just need to be able to sustain it at the end of the game. And then offensively, as you alluded to, that's mm-hmm. what people's concerns are because – the offense had looked um, not great for the first couple of weeks, mm-hmm. um, and then really not great on Saturday. You score 14 points, mm-hmm. which is not what people are accustomed to around here. Well, uh, when you look at J.J. Taylor, had 40, 40 yards on uh, 11 carries. Uh, Khalil Tate obviously uh, leading the way with 104, uh, pardon me, 129 yards, uh, seven carries, and J.J. Taylor only had 39 yards net. I keep getting those confused with net and gain, but 
Yeah, I thought the defense played really well. I think the the elephant in the room, or if you want to call it the hippo in the room at this point, is yes, the offense did struggle, but it may see a little bit more... uh, I guess struggle is the right word because you're going to be looking for a new quarterback. But on the bright side, you got a bye week to kind of implement something or kind of get them used to it. Or you got two weeks to maybe prepare someone that maybe hasn't been under center in a while. And uh, those two guys, Jackson Tyner, the transfer from Rice, and uh, Jet Duffy, a guy that has won you a game, an ugly game, albeit, which is kind of what I would describe what Arizona was last week and uh, was able to kind of win that one on the road against TCU so he has shown the ability to do that for you or do you kind of stick with a guy like a Jackson Tyner who I mean he may not have the arm that Alan Bowman has but he certainly has all the physical tools to make the throws that you need to do in this offense which we've talked to David Yost on on previous occasions yeah and that, that kind of leads into uh we solicit questions from our audience that yep. leads into two questions uh, James aka Texas Tech Gooner asks got to be Duffy right and Rob asked any comments on the rice transfer haven't seen him play well um my my expectation is that uh, my expectation is that Jackson Tyner will get first call yeah that's but that's based primarily on what we have seen so far and what we have seen so far is Jackson Tyner has gotten the first call off the bench mm-hmm. and when Alan Bowman got hurt on Saturday night at Arizona Jackson Tyner was the the guy who was told to get you know get going and start warming up I mean yep. he was warming up real quickly after uh, Alan Bowman came out hurt and so by appearances, Jackson Tyner, and I think this is, I mean, this is obviously proven by how they play. Jackson Tyner is their number two quarterback. Um, and as Rob said, haven't seen him play. Well, I don't think anybody, anybody from a Texas Tech standpoint really hasn't seen him play much so far because um, he got, I think, one series. He got one series against Montana State. And he got one series. He got the next to last series against UTEP. And then Jet Duffy came in for uh, one play, the, yeah, last, believe, the last play of the game. Yeah, which I UTEP. believe he handed it off, if I'm not mistaken, on that play. No, he actually completed a 40 that, That's pass, right. But, that's right. You know, the thing about Tyner, it's, I don't really have a whole lot to go on other than, you know, statistically at Rice, he was, quite frankly, not real impressive. I think mm-hmm. seven career interceptions, four career touchdown passes maybe. Um, about a thousand yards total passing in three years. You know, big guy, physically impressive at six five, and listed anywhere from two hundred fifty pounds at Rice to two hundred thirty pounds now by Texas Tech. So I don't really know what to expect from him. My what we do know though is that you know two staffs have been kind of reluctant to play Jet Duffy except when they've had to because of injury. Yep, and we've seen why. Of course, it's because he's. He's, he's made some big mistakes. He's also made some big plays. I know, you know, brief conversation with David Yost back in the spring, he kind of echoed with me what, uh, you know, what kind of what the book on Duffy was during Cliff Kingsbury's time. That was that uh, you would see flashes, but then um, he would also kind of leave you shaking your head at times. And so what I think you'll see is Di- Tyner get first call and Duffy and Duffy play. I don't think it's going to be all Tyner all the way. I think they will uh, – both those guys will be prepared to play. I do think that they will know by Sunday which guy that's going to be. 
uh, because you can, I mean, you, you have to know who your number one quarterback is on Sunday so you can install the game plan and get the guy reps and get him ready to go. So I'll be interested to see on Monday if, if Matt Wells will acknowledge who the starter is going to be or if he will, uh, or if he will, uh, Play it coy and not say. Well, the un- the other interesting uh, factor when you kind of look at it uh, from that perspective too, Don, is they're two different quarterbacks. It's not like you can say, well, we're going to be running the same offense. Yeah, you can say that, but one guy can run the ball. The other one uh, necessarily can't. He's more of a pocket passer. And for those that are keeping tally, because I know obviously everyone on Twitter will probably go and look it up, but uh, Jed Duffy is one for one, as you mentioned, for a four-yard pass. Jackson Tyner's 0 for three so far, so... For those that want to kind of look at that, but uh, of course uh, we, we would be uh, remiss if we didn't mention Alan Bowman out with a shoulder injury as he was driven down into the turf. Uh, he was obviously in a lot of pain, went to the locker room, came back out, was able to finish the game, but a couple days later, Texas Tech Athletics uh, released a statement saying that he would be out several weeks and for those that aren't aware, the term several can mean two or more, so you can kind of take it for uh, what you want in terms of that definition, because... I'd it, say three or more. I mean, it's not several. I mean, heck, it's... It, it, it's uh, I, I, I think, here's the think. thing. I think, it's better than day-to-day, I suppose. I, I th- well, here's the thing. I think you might you might get into a situation late in the year where um question becomes, when, when Alan Bowman's ready to go again, do you keep him on the sideline beyond... For do you keep him on the sideline to redshirt him because he's played three games? You can redshirt with four, and so yeah. if he if he got to the point where he only where he is ready, say with two games to go, do you play him in one and hold him out of the other just to save his year? That'll be. I, I think that's that's a situation that we're more likely to get into is he's not is he doesn't get back ready to go again until November, and then um, how much do you do you want to play him for more than one game and then lose a year of eligibility? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of, uh, what's the word, not knowing just because, I mean, I mean, for for what it's worth, I mean, everyone kind of can look at the season as you want with a backup quarterback at this point, but say Texas Tech is on the cusp of a bowl game, obviously you want to try and get them those reps and you want to try and obviously get the best players out there and if that is the case Alan Bowman is your best quarterback and you want him under center but I certainly agree with you Don I mean if maybe you kind of see you're at the two or three win threshold do you really want to try and get Alan Bowman out and kind of lose that year on him of course that's something that coach Matt Wells and his quarterback can discuss with David Yost as well but I I mean, at, at this point it's certainly not good news that you wanted to see especially with the kid and Alan Bowman that has Missed a lot of time due to some kind of crazy injuries, uh, at least last year with the collapsed lung. Fortunately, it wasn't that this time around. It was just more of a regular injury, if you want to call it that. But we'll see how long it takes. Initially, when I first saw it, I don't know if you kind of felt the same way. I thought it was a collarbone. So certainly it's a good deal that it was maybe a shoulder where you maybe bruised yeah, it or I think something it like that. collarbone anyway. Yeah. I mean, he, he was he – was, kind of favoring that collarbone but again we'll never know up until we do get an answer from that but as for right now he's out for several weeks and texas tech left to figure out if it's jackson tyner or jet duffy i'm sure that'll be uh what everyone will be asking us but what other questions do we got done 
Uh, Chili Demand asked any comments from Kirby or Deep Pocket alums on last week's performance. Are they putting together buy, buyout money or just riding the pending storm? I'm I, th- pretty... I, th- I think riding the pending storm. Buyout money would be $11.2 million after this year. I don't think they're going to talk about firing Matt Wills after one loss. I mean, he's got, what, a six-year contract? Six-year contract. I so mean, it's gonna I... be a, he's going to be here a while. I mean, come on. Come on. Uh, Cody Robbins asked uh, Don, saw your article where you said we may have bought in too early. Are you saying after one loss the fan base should not buy in? No, no, not exactly. What I meant by that was after the uh, first two games, Tech had committed only four penalties each of the first two games, and I thought let's not believe let's not believe that's going to be let's not buy into that too quickly because Matt Wills teams at Utah State last year were yep. penalized a whole bunch and also after the first two games Montana State and UTEP were 4 out of 31 on first, on third downs i said that that wasn't yep. going to continue and then sure enough Arizona 14 of 21 oh 15 of 21 15 of 21 on third down on Saturday bad. night which is you know what's weird about that was just the fact that there were 21 third down situations. Yeah. That's, that's big numbers for a single game, which means that, you know, on first and second down, you're doing a pretty good job just to get them into 21 third mm-hmm. down situations, but then uh, you let 15 of them be converted. So, no, I'm not, I wasn't really saying uh, it's too early for fans to buy in. Go ahead and buy in, but I'm just yeah. saying don't sell out. Don't, don't make too much of what you saw the first two games. Yeah, so so I guess j- just to kind of play off of that, Don, I guess what 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 did you learn from Texas Tech after that third game? Because I know you and I were talking about this is the litmus test. This is where we're going to see what Texas Tech is. I suppose you can handicap it a little bit just because Alan Bowman got hurt. But, I mean, from what I saw, the defense seems to be ahead of the offense, which Matt Wells has admitted, uh, I believe, on radio a couple days ago when he, either he was on, on uh, his, his radio show or another – another uh, radio show as well but um i certainly think the defense is ahead of the offense right now and it's just a matter of can you score enough points to help your defense out because once once big 12 play comes i i mean i have kind of brought it up to you i know you've asked kirby this a couple times but i think if you're able to hold a team to under 30 you have a good chance to win and i think i think you're probably right i think uh the defense looks pretty solid i think that you think as long as they don't get worn down. They look yeah. solid as long as they don't yeah. get worn down. That was encouraging against an offense that, you know, I, I thought that game would go over go over the over-under of 77 points yeah, we last both week. Did. And it didn't come close. <laughs> yeah. So I think that that's a good sign for the defense. I think the offense looks like the offense did in 2000, first year of Mike Leach, when he had a big change. I think it looks like the offense did maybe first year of Tommy Tuberville when you uh, had a significant change from the Leach style. Mm-hmm. That's what that, this reminds me of right now is the offense that you have some decent experience out there. You have some decent experience out there. You have a, a quarterback with some experience, but it's just not clicking right now. And I think that's the concern. That's the fear is that the off- this may not be something that the offense looks good. Uh, it, at any point this year, it may take a, it may take a good while. Here's the interesting part that I think was brought up on Twitter, and I kind of found it a little bit funny. People were saying, "Oh, they're not running tempo. They're not running tempo." Well, I mean, you're not running tempo because you're not trying to tire out your defense. Well, the thing you is, know? the thing is, they've said that uh, they don't want to run tempo all the time. Well, yeah, now, there's been yeah. there's been a lot of. Uh, they said that they want to go as fast as humanly possible, but they also said. 
they ran about I think sixty percent tempo last year. So mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they won't, they're going to go. They're trying to go fast for eighty five plays. And David Yost also said that uh, they will go tempo and run the plays that their guys can handle and that best suit them. So I think there's still kind of a feeling out a feeling out process with what they can run effectively at a fast pace, and it may be only half the time, maybe less than half the time. Well, the other thing that doesn't help is you weren't able to get your ground game going like you were against UTIP and Montana State. Armand Schein with 68 yards, John Henry with 21 Sir Roderick Thompson with 20. Not not good when you only run it 25 times. you got to run a little bit more. But, uh, of course, uh, you can kind of look at the passing numbers. You were down a lot, so obviously you're going to pass a little bit more at 55 passes in that one compared to 25 runs. So, Robert Powell, RP Texan, asked what exactly happened with uh, number three, referring to Douglas Coleman and the dead ball foul. TV guys didn't give a good explanation. Friend said the flag game after the ref tried to talk to him. Not immediately after the INT. That is correct, Robert, as you described. Uh, is a flag allowed because a player blows off the ref? That's all you, man. Uh, yeah, maybe. because, I mean, unsportsmanlike conduct, kind of. there's kind of a lot of latitude and a lot of leeway there for the official. I mean, and we don't, we don't know what was said. We do know that you know, Kirby Hokut on his radio show this yeah. week said that he was kind of disappointed that that call was – Made that that flag was thrown, that they communicated with the Big 12, uh, made their thoughts known, and got a reply from the Big 12. I've tried to call the Big 12, haven't heard back from them on yep. what exactly they told Texas Tech. But um, it looked like, it looked to me, looked to my eyes like Mike DeFee was trying to do some preemptive officiating in terms of warning. Yes, for, in terms for, for of, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, kind of giving Douglas Coleman a warning. Yeah, and I don't know if Douglas said something, uh, but he obviously kind of pulled away from the official, and after a couple of seconds there, and headed back to the sideline, and that's when the flag came out. Yeah, I, and I guess you can also make the argument there referees are human too, and maybe like you said, when he was trying to make the warning or provide a warning for Douglas Coleman, he felt he was blown off, and maybe. You know, big timed, kind of like a an umpire in baseball. Again, I am just totally guessing on this because I mean, You're right. all, no, I, I mean, I I am totally guessing on it. So uh, they're human. I mean, obviously, people don't like to get uh, big showed timed up. On, on, on. Yeah, showed up on TV because uh, it was the only game on TV at that point, to my knowledge. I mean, it was pretty late. Um, and maybe that could have been what happened. And then, of course, uh, the whole reason that we're – you're mentioning the fact that you called the Big 12 that was a Big 12 officiating crew was not a uh, Pac-10 officiating crew. So that's the whole reason people are all up in arms saying Big 12 refs, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Although Pac-12 refs do not exactly have a stellar yeah. reputation. Oh, that's so. right. Pac-12, not Pac-10. I'm thinking Big 10. Jeez. But uh, ne- neither uh, neither conference's uh, officials have a have a great reputation. They're, yeah. bo- they're both harshly criticized. Well, we can see the Pac-12. We're going to see Pac-12 officials uh, here next year in Lubbock when Arizona comes back here. Um, Michael Embry wanted us to talk a little bit about the depth of future recruiting classes, which uh, let's – so I took a careful look at uh, scholarship numbers and also this year's recruiting class, which they're off to – they're off to a pretty fast start in terms of numbers. You have 16 guys who are committed right now. Um, 
you got your quarterback in Donovan Smith. You have mm-hmm. a couple of uh, guys who are all-purpose players, kind of Jakeem Grant types with mm-hmm. Quinn Bright and Miles Quinn Bright from Cedar Hill and Miles Price from the Colony. Uh, uh, under six feet, if I'm not mistaken. Way under six feet. Yeah. More than five eight, five nine guys who are in that 160, 170 pound range. Again, kind of look a lot like Jakeem Grant on on video. Uh, have uh, your one kind of pure running back in Taj Brooks, who's a 215 pounder, yeah. a couple of outside receivers from East Texas, and Julian Polk and J.J. Sparkman. Mm-hmm. Kind of light on the offensive line right now. You only have two offensive tackles, no centers or guards. Looking pretty good at defensive end with three guys there. No defensive tackles, no linebackers. You do have four DBs. So I think uh, – um, uh, Pretty heavy on DBs, which, of course, this is a defense that, that needs numbers at that yeah. position. Here, here's going to be the interesting thing to me. The official scholarship numbers for Texas Tech are – they have 82 guys on scholarship right mm-hmm. now. Let me get to that page. They have 82 guys on scholarship right now. 16 of them are seniors. And so what's going to happen is at the end of the season, you'll have 66 players – with elig- 66 players on scholarship with eligibility left, you can only have 85 at once, and you can only sign you know, 25. You can only sign 25. That's right. So now here's the thing. With 66 guys who have eligibility left who are juniors and below, then that means you can only take 19. 19 puts you at the 85 cap. Now, Beerson see that if they sign above 19 because – to do that, then they would kind of be expecting attrition, which always yeah, happens. It does happen. It always happens. You always have, you know, two, three, four, or more guys leave the program. But can you, can you, how much do you trust yourself to uh, sign? To over, what if you oversign and then everybody, all those 66 guys say, yeah, I'm good. I'm content. I'm happy here. Although it's, it's kind of interesting to also think of the fact that you do have that early signing period compared to just the one where you kind of just you get one signing period that was the first uh, sure. Wednesday in yes. February. So maybe you don't sign as many as you think on in December. In December, good, good, good point. You, know, you, so. you may you may find out between you may find out between first signing period and second signing yeah. period. Some people decide to leave or, or you yeah. find some new guys, you know, I mean, right. again, th- this is all new territory because it started just a couple years ago when Texas Tech went to that bowl and they had to recruit basically while they were in bowl, bowl mode as well. But here is a situation where I feel like it could maybe help this coaching staff because you should, as you kind of alluded to those numbers, you may be able to find some guys that maybe you didn't know that were going to leave or maybe you find some depth somewhere, but I certainly think they're going to go as max as they can on this signing class because you need to get numbers, and I think that's the biggest thing that I've seen from Texas Tech, and by numbers, heck, you can even look at PWOs, preferred walk-ons or even walk-ons. I think that's another way to kind of help yourself in terms of these things. Yeah, so again, to kind of recap those numbers, 16 commitments now. Um they can sign up to – they'll have room for 19 – they'll have room to sign 19 guys. So at in the theory, the three more. Mm-hmm. Pardon? So in, in theory, three more. In theory, three more yeah. than you have commitments from right now. But as Carlos, as you alluded – as you mentioned, if uh, you lose some guys between December and start of the spring semester, then that finds you a few more scholarships. And 
to get to get you up toward that 25. I do think kind of looking at the roster, I would expect them not to take many more receivers because you have quite a few young receivers yeah. coming back in addition to the ones that you've already taken in this class, which is two for sure. And I think probably both of those kind of all-purpose kids could yeah. wind up as slot receivers. So you may already have, already have four guys as receivers. Now I think maybe you, don't have, maybe you don't take four or five offensive linemen this year because you have a lot of young offensive linemen yeah. on the roster right yeah, now. Yeah, you lose a couple, but, I mean, you still have plenty. You could look at a Weston Wright, Casey Verholst. You got all those guys. Yeah, you do lose a couple in terms of uh, – I'm trying to think of his name right now. He lose Bruffy Steele and Akamnon. There you go. But uh, among those young offensive linemen, you, as you mentioned, you D- have Dawson Deaton, Jack Anderson, uh, Casey Verholst, uh, Weston Wright, Weston Bailey Wright. Smith. Uh, Bailey man. Smith's a senior. Clayton, oh, that, that's Clayton, right. I'm sorry. Clayton Franks. Clayton Franks. That's what I'm thinking of. Thank you. Um, oh, man. All this stuff off the top of my head really doesn't help me. So that's why I'm glad you have the old media guy to kind of look this up for me. These these guys are sophomores or younger. Yeah, so okay. I mean, the, 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 these offensive linemen are sophomores or younger. Demarcus Marshall, that's right. Clayton Franks, Hakeem White, Troy Bradshaw, Casey Verholst, Weston Wright, Landon Peterson, Dawson Deaton, Will Ferrar. So that's however many guys have at least two have two yeah. to three years of eligibility left. So that's why I say, if you do run up into numbers crunch, I don't think you take maybe as many off- offensive linemen as you ordinarily would. And maybe even look at a tight end at some point just because that's what you're looking at. Uh, I forgot to mention tight yeah. ends, which we talked a whole bunch about. You did yeah. take Simon Gonzalez last yep. year. Um, Travis Coons will be in his second year. Travis Coons will be a Travis Coons will be a senior next year, though, since he's only a junior this year. And then the other interesting factor, too, is you got a bunch of graduate transfers that will come back next year. They're not just one yeah, and done. Yeah, a couple guys, yeah. yeah. Um, let me see here. You're at a just SS, SSP, not Sage, aka not Sage Advice. Wow. Just wondering with some of the inconsistency, inconsistency opposite TJ Vasher, where Seth Collins been still, uh, still injured, still not back from that uh, collarbone, collarbone surgery that he had way back in the spring, back in late March or April. Didn't heal uh, the way they expected it to and mm-hmm. so there's been no really no discussion of Seth Collins since yeah. uh, since the beginning of camp. My, my interesting thing to me with Seth Collins is assuming he does come back second half of the season what position will he play because he was an inside receiver last year yeah Antoine West when Antoine Wesley left they took Seth gave Seth Collins first crack at that position to start the spring he was at that he was at that X position and then when, after he got hurt, and they went through the spring, they moved him to the uh, moved him to an inside receiver spot. Nave had productive inside receivers, and you have that production at the A X. Yeah. So maybe uh, maybe SSP is right. Maybe Seth Collins winds up coming back and playing X when getting into that mix when uh, when he does get back. But again, I think it's still maybe two, three, four weeks away before. He gets back in because there's been literally zero discussion of him since uh, since camp started. Yeah, and I mean, no one's really asked about him just because it seems like I, I can't remember the last time you or I or someone from the local media has actually asked about Seth Collins just because we've heard so much of well, he's got a he's got an injured collarbone. He's going to probably be out for a lot, well, a lot of time. I mean, you know, remember Matt Will said that uh, yeah. start of spring or start of start of uh, preseason camp. 
So um, I got to, uh, let's see, we got one more question. Yeah, I was going to say. From, uh, man, my computer shut down. From David Collier. Oh. Our friend David Collier at KMAC. Right. No, no, that, 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 there's a couple you more. You should watch David Collier on Red Raider Nation there every uh, every weekday night and weekends when he decides to work. Yeah. You have, you have Collier's question up in front of you? I actually do. And, uh, of course, don't forget the, the rare times that you do make an appearance on the old Red Raider Nation, too. So so there's always that you can always look forward to. But I got that one, and then we got some other ones, too. But I thought it was interesting that he said to rank the press box food. At all the no, rankings. no, he used to look oh. with the press boxes. Oh, that's right. Ranking press boxes from all the... Uh, let me from see. the Big 12. He was asking about Oklahoma. Oklahoma's press boxes is where we're going to be next week. Oklahoma's yeah. press boxes is not that great. It's cramped. It's tight. I've been there, and the one thing that I don't like, and again, this is just a first world problem, is the fact that you have to go go down a couple couple elevators, a couple levels to get to the food, and then you kind of have to go back up. It's just a little inconvenience when you kind of have to tweet some stuff. It's kind of tight. Although I do like the popcorn. It's kind of tight, congested space behind, uh, right behind press row. Although I do like. When you you do go to get your popcorn. Yeah. So, you know, if you want me to rank them kind of quickly, your quick rundown off the top of my head, best press boxes. Oh, you can take your time, man. It's a podcast. (laughs) It's a podcast. Best press boxes in the Big 12, I would say, I believe, really, Texas Tech and Kansas State, or Kansas, Texas Tech and Kansas. And what's interesting about that is... Never been to Kansas. What's interesting about that is Texas Tech took ideas from Kansas's press box before they built the new, Hmm. before they expanded the Jones Stadium press box. So both of these are spacious because Kansas expanded theirs a few years before Texas Tech did. Mm -hmm. So Tech officials went up there and... Took some notes, looked around, and so Tech's press box is pretty similar to Kansas's press box. And I'd say in terms of space and accommodation and being kind of luxurious, I would put those yep. two at the top. As long as um, I have a table and a chair, I'm pretty good. You know, Oklahoma State is uh, Oklahoma State is yeah okay middle of the pack. West Virginia's uh, never been there. West Virginia okay. Milan Plusker. Texas. I'm not a big fan of Texas press boxes because it's kind of blocked off and segmented. I kind of like it because you get a pretty good view. I mean, it's literally just glass. So it's like you're actually at the game, but you don't have to deal with all the people. I I will say the best press box food is, though, at Texas at DKR. And oh, that's just because it they have nachos. It is. You are. It is nah, catered. Uh, I figured you would say It is that. catered Tex-Mex. And any kind of Tex-Mex that you can think of, they got it. I mean, they have enchiladas, tacos, fajitas. Yeah. Rice, beans. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like a full-service Tex-Mex restaurant. So uh, let me just point this at, out. The uh, one thing that Don Williams likes about Austin <laughs> is their press box. I will, I, will, I, will give, I will give the folks at uh, UT credit for the press yeah. box bread. So there you go. There. It's better there than anybody's. Uh, the one I don't – the press box that I really don't like in the Big 12 is at TCU. And the reason why is because our vantage point is, uh, is terrible. Actually, it's not uh, – I mean, we the are, vantage well, point, I suppose, thing. it's nice. We are in the uh, northwest – they put you in the northwest corner end zone, really yep. beyond the end zone. We're kind of at the back end line. And and that makes it difficult to – you're looking – you're not looking at the field. Yeah, you're looking away when there are plays going away from you. I'll give you Yeah, that. exactly. When, they, when they're on the – 20 or 10 yeah. yard line on the other end of the field. We are a long ways away. From now, I will say this. What happens. Out of all those press boxes now, I haven't been to some of them, obviously. Baylor. We haven't been to Baylor. That is the closest one, or at least the closest to the field that I can recall, is TCU's. Which one? TCU's. 
Yeah, you're right. Yeah. In terms that, of yeah. in terms of getting down quickly. Yeah. yeah. So but in terms that. of actually seeing the game, yeah. the vantage point. That's it, not bad when it's coming at you. It's not bad. So know, Baylor. Right. So, we, got, so, we disagree on that. So, I don't like sitting in beyond mm-hmm. the end zone. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the way I think of it is that uh, that's why they invented TVs and LCD screens done. You know, mm-hmm. come to think of it, Oklahoma State's the same way on the other end. We're on the south. Oh, is it? We're on the All south. Right. Uh, like I, I've never been to Stillwater, yeah, except for basketball, obviously. We're on, but. The, uh, we're on the other end. Oklahoma State has us in the end zone as well. So, so. Baylor unrated, or do you want to well, rate it based on the previous? We haven't, we haven't been oh, to that's, that right, that's right. Huh? This will be the first time. Well, well, I'm saying, did, did you ever go to the previous Baylor Stadium? Casey? Oh, yeah. 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 So where would you rank that one currently up until you go to the posh it was small. McLean Stadium? It was okay, but it was small. Uh, I, I will tell you this is uh, someone that's told me before because i got some high school sports reporter friends. They kick you out pretty quick, Don, just so you know. Is that right? Okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> that's all the questions I got. You got anything else? Uh, the only thing is uh, your buddy John Sokolov wondering when you're going to put the, the jacket on when it gets cold, which you have the jacket on now. I guess it's kind of cold the, inside the, the podcast uh, room. It's a black and blue hoodie Yeah, on black tonight. and blue. Trying to change it up. Uh, other than that, I think those are all yeah, the questions, Don. I think we're done for now. Yeah. Thank goodness, because it's at 32 minutes, which I thought was a little bit shorter than what I thought we were going to do with all the people kind of tweeting at us. But uh, I guess uh, open week, obviously, we're kind of relaxing, I suppose, with football really about to rear up once uh, they go to Norman. Not looking forward to... Actually, I should say I am looking forward to not driving to Norman. It's a, as you well know, I don't like driving, so glad you and Brad get to make that drive. Better than a trip to uh, Arizona last week. Wow. 30, 30, 30, uh, 30 hours without sleep. Excellent. I love um, these jabs from you, Don. I love these jabs so much. Hey, I, I was on yeah. board with it. I said I signed off and said I'm okay. I am I'll, glad I'll, you're I'll man, admitting I'll man it. up and do it. I, I'm glad you will because I don't think Brad will ever say it. He did agree. Both of you sent a text saying this is this is fine, and I both also explained to both of you if you complain about it, I will mention it. But I, I appreciate you doing that, Don. And we have friends up in Oklahoma, so it's all it's, yes. so, it's a, so it's an easy trip. Yeah, and, uh, that is true. And, well, unfortunately, normal. well, unfortunately, you just have to deal with David Collier. You know, got to deal with him. He's an okay guy. Yeah. What well, do, do, do you think he's going to drive up there? Because he'd have, because you have to remember, he would have to work. That's a good question. I think David Collier will probably go. We'll, we'll, we'll get him to tweet back at us and see. You can get David Collier and Ryan King. Both Oklahoma guys. Yeah. 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 Schooners. All righty. I guess that'll wipe it up for us for this week. We appreciate everybody who uh, sent us questions and conversation topics. Um, we do this uh, every, usually every week on Wednesday, mm-hmm. a little bit late this week. But uh, thanks again to everybody for, uh, for participating and for listening in. Uh, for Carlos, I'm Don. This has been the Red Raiders podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.